4hymns.com slash joy. That's 4hymns.com slash joy for your free online visit. F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash J. Wichita's new sports leader, ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM, KKGQ, Newton. This is the Shane Dennis Show on the new ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM. Welcome in. Happy Friday. Happy episode 419. Happy opening day in softball. Wichita State has already played a game. We'll tell you about that. In a jam-packed Friday show. Shane Dennis, Jack Johnson with you. You can join the show a couple of different ways, or at least be part of it. You can call us, 316-669-4996. You can text us. The text line is 247-0923. You can tell your smart speaker to play KKGQ 92.3. Tune in on your phone, ESPNWichita.com. On your laptop, computer, or device. Follow us on Twitter. Be our friends on Facebook. We're at our Riverfront Stadium studio. It is February 10th, 41st day of the year. 324 days left in 2022. And in Wichita, we're heading for a high of 43 degrees. On the show today, we'll have our moment of levity as we normally do. I'll tell you what day it is. And some hardware was handed out last night in the NFL. We'll tell you who won what. We'll also tell you what Wichita State did down in San Marcos, Texas, just moments ago in softball. Story of the week. We bring it to you every Friday. Thank you, Derby Mattress. That's coming up in the second segment. We've got a Valentine's Day uh, Twitter question. And in hour two... Got a couple of interviews, one by me with ESPN college basketball analyst Mark Adams. We'll get his thoughts on the state of the American. And a very special interview from Radio Row in Phoenix with a guy that celebrated a birthday yesterday. And Jack nailed it. So if you listened to the show yesterday during I'm Old Jack Young, that's a little bit of a sneak peek of a special interview uh, down from Radio Row at the Super Bowl. That's coming your way at 125-ish. Then I'm old Jack Young, February 10, to wrap up the show and hand you off to Pat Strothman and the Pulse down at Radio Row in Phoenix for his final day of coverage and what on a Friday before the Super Bowl is sure to be a jam-packed, interview-laden, superstar-featuring Pulse with Pat Strothman. So stick around for that. Big day of sports for you. Talking about sports anyway for the next four hours as usual. But Pat down on Radio Row makes it even better. All right, Jack, kick us off here on a Friday and make us laugh. Shane, I always bring my guitar in my car with me now. Yeah? Well, it's good for traffic jams. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) That's, uh, That's all right. All right, February 10th is National Umbrella Day. It's National Cream Cheese Brownie Day. I didn't know that was a thing, but it is. 
uh, National Home Warranty Day, too. Protecting the vital appliances and components of our homes, because of course. Tomorrow is February 11th. That's Saturday. We don't have a show on Saturdays normally. So we're missing out on International Snowmobile Ride Day, National Don't Cry Over Spilled Milk Day, National Inventors Day, Make a Friend Day, Peppermint Patty Day, National Shut-In Visitation Day, and National White Shirt Day. Pretty good day to miss, if you ask me. Um, February 10, 1933, in an attempt to save its floundering business, the Postal Telegraph Cable Company delivered what is considered to be the first singing telegram. And also in 1996, IBM's Deep Blue Computer defeats world champion Gary Kasparov at chess in 34 moves. It's the first time a computer ever beat a human at a formal game of chess. And birthdays in history, Jimmy Durante, American comedian, singer, actor, and performer. Probably best known for his performance in the comedy, It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. Jimmy Durante, born 1893. All right, so last night, or yesterday, yesterday slash last night, the major awards in the NFL were handed out. And to no one's real surprise, among the awards, Patrick Mahomes picked up the first of what he hopes are two victories of sorts this week in Arizona. The first was the MVP award, and it was announced at the NFL Honors Program. Mahomes got 48 of 50 first-place votes. The other two went to Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen. Overall in the voting, Mahomes racked up 490 points. Hurts was second at 193, so it wasn't really all that close of a vote after all. It would be interesting to know how those votes would have shaken out if Hertz hadn't gotten hurt. Uh, doubt it would have changed, but I would have, well, hard to say, but I would. I wonder how much closer Hertz would have gotten had he played, continued to play at a high level like he had before he banged up his shoulder. But at any rate, it was the second MVP award of Mahomes' six-year career, making him the 10th player ever to win the award twice. His other came in 2018. Only two players have won MVPs in less time at the start of a career, Jim Brown and Kurt Warner. Mahomes led the NFL this season in passing yards, touchdown passes, total QBR, and leading the Chiefs to a 14-3 record, the number one seed in the playoffs. uh, 5,614 total yards in a season. And, of course, playing through that high ankle sprain in the postseason. So Mahomes, then Hurts, then Allen. In fourth place was Joe Burrow. In fifth place, Justin Jefferson. And finishing sixth was Nick Bosa. 
for those getting at least one vote, and that is in the top five, they were Tua Tagovailoa, Geno Smith, Tyreek Hill got one, Justin Herbert, Justin Fields got one, and A.J. Brown got one. Not first place votes, mind you, but votes. Earlier, Minnesota Vikings receiver Justin Jefferson won the AP's Offensive Player of the Year award. Led all receivers with 128 catches for 1,809 yards. Not surprisingly, last year's Offensive Player of the Year, Cooper Cup, played in the same scheme that Kevin O'Connell took with him to Minnesota. NFL's Defensive Player of the Year award went to 49ers defensive end Nick Bosa, who led the league with 18 and a half sacks. And he did that under defensive coordinator and now Houston Texans coach, of course, D'Amico Ryans. And the Jets swept the Offensive and Defensive Rookie of the Year awards. Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson won those two awards. Seahawks running back Kenneth uh, Walker III actually received more first-place votes than Garrett Wilson, but a new, new voting system left Wilson with more total points. Brian Dable, Giants, AP Coach of the Year. Comeback Player of the Year, Geno Smith. And the Walt, Walter Payton Man of the Year is Dak Prescott, recognized by his work off the field primarily through his Faith Fight Finish Foundation, and it focuses on research into colon cancer, which claimed his mother in 2013, as well as suicide prevention following the death of his brother Jace in 2020. So your man of the year is Dak Prescott. Now, getting back to the NFL Defensive Player of the Year award, I don't think anybody thought that Chris Jones was going to get it. But correct me if I'm wrong, Jack, did you hear this last night uh, at any point that Chris Jones got one vote? Is that right? And Micah Parsons got none? Yep, that was correct. How? Beats me. I mean, you always feel like with these voter, these the the voting polls, of course, with these writers, there's never really like a close first and second. It's usually somebody yeah. just running away with it. I yeah. didn't expect Nick Bosa to be the one that to run away with it. Well, me neither. And I guess I'm not going to force everybody to watch game tape and not just go on sacks and pressures and then give that guy the award. But, man, anybody that saw – Chris Jones and Micah Par or Micah Parsons play. I know we're probably a little biased with Chiefs coverage that we have here, and being the home of the Cowboys, we hear a lot about uh, Micah Parsons on the radio broadcast. But man, if you got a two eyes and a brain, you probably know that they ought to combine for more than one vote. But at any rate, uh, that's how that panned out the 2023 hall of fame class 
was announced as well. Um, five modern era players earned induction alongside three players and a coach from the seniors committee. You had Rondé Barber, Darrell Rivas, DeMarcus Ware, Zach Thomas, and Joe Thomas from the modern era. From the old dudes, Joe Klecko, Chuck Howley. Chuck Howley, I think, remains to be the only MVP of a Super Bowl from a losing team when his Cowboys, I think, lost to the to the Dolphins. But anyway, uh, Chuck Howley is now in, along with cornerback Ken Riley and Air Coriel, Don Coriel. I think he is no longer with us, so we'll call him the late, great Don Coriel, the Chargers, most famously the coach of the Chargers when Dan Fouts was throwing it all over the field. So that's the very latest from um, the NFL and the hardware that was handed out last night. There were actually a total of, what was it, 17 awards given away. You know, you had the comeback player of the year, offensive rookie of the year, and all that stuff. Um, But you had the FedEx Air and Ground Players of the Year, uh, some other specialty awards like that, the um, Bud Light Selly of the Year, the best celebration, um, Assistant Coaches of the Year, Angry Run of the Year, etc., etc., etc. So there were nearly 20 awards given out, but the big ones uh, we gave you, and the biggest was MVP, and it was Patrick Mahomes becoming the 10th player to win the MVP multiple times. Well, Jack, early trivia. How many of the multiple MVP winners can you name? If you can tear yourself away from whatever you're doing. (laughs) Let's go with (laughs) Peyton Manning. I know is number one with five. Yeah, correct. Five. Aaron Rodgers right behind him with four. Uh, Almost right. He is right behind him, but he's got three. Three, sorry. Yeah. Uh, let's go Brady with two. Yeah, three. Oh, three. Gosh, I'm off he's my numbers here. Also. I still got yep. the people right. You do. Um, let's go Emmett Smith. Good guess, but no. Only one. Okay. Uh, they're all quarterbacks except one. Okay. So. How about Montana? Yeah, he got two. 89 and 90. Let's go with. I said his name a little earlier. Oh. I kind of gave it away. Actually, I said both of their names earlier. Man. <laughs> Do I have to go back that far? Uh, not for a couple of them, no. Uh, one of them is an old. The non-quarterback is an old. Man. Uh. Did uh, Kurt Warner ever win multiple? Yeah. Okay. He's one of them. Yeah. And matter of fact, he and this guy are the only guys to win multiple MVPs at an early an age as Mahomes has, if that Barb? makes sense. Yes. Three. <sighs> Steve Young. Okay. Johnny Unitas. 
and Jim Brown. Okay. No, Jim, Jim Brown, Brown, I wouldn't have suspected. Yeah, he won three, 57, 58, and then in 65. So um, those are your uh, NFL updates from last night. And finally, we uh going to have football this weekend as the Chiefs take on the Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl 57. Today, this morning, down in San Marcos, Texas, Wichita State's much ballyhooed softball team opened up a tournament down at Texas State. They played Villanova this morning, and in five innings, WSU run-ruled Nova 12-1. to Sidney McKinney led a monstrous offensive attack with a 4-for-4 performance. No surprise, Lauren Lucas also was 4-for-4, and the top three in the order went 10-for-11 for for Wichita State, being told that's good, and Nova broke up the shutout with a run in the bottom of the fifth, but Wichita State shortened that game to five with a 12-1 whooping of Villanova. They will play Texas State, Wichita State will, the host school, a little bit later on this afternoon after we go off the air. So, Christy Breadbenner's bunch starts 1-0 as opening day in softball is upon us. Congratulations to Wichita State as they smack Nova 12-1 down in Texas. All right. When we come back, we'll have our story of the week. It's brought to you by Derby Mattress. And my story has to do with news out of the SEC. Bet you know what that's going to be. And... The money that changes hands in the SEC to its SEC schools may blow your mind. So I'll have that for you here in just a little bit. The Twitter question has to do with Valentine's Day and what's your go-to, guys? If you got a girlfriend or wife or significant other, what is it? What's your go-to? At ESPN Wichita. So vote, retweet, and write in if you feel like you need to. Coming up at 1 o'clock, Mark Adams, ESPN College Basketball Analyst, get his pulse check on what the goings-on are in the American Conference, maybe a dark horse to knock off Houston in the conference tournament, if anybody. So we'll talk American and Wichita State with Mark Adams, College Basketball Analyst and Doodah Diner Enthusiast. And we'll have a special interview coming up at 125, a guy that celebrated a birthday just yesterday and was the topic of a really popular movie called Invincible. We'll have Vince Papali coming up at 125 or so from Radio Row in Phoenix. It was an interview executed by our own Pat Strothman, so we'll take a listen at that. Vince Papali at 125. And then I'm old Jack Young, as usual, coming up 140 or so to wrap up the week. Also, Jack is feverishly working on the best of Radio Row coming up at 6 o'clock. So instead of overtime, parts of, if not all of, the audio that Pat Strothman wrapped up this week from Radio Row. Jack, if you had to guess, or, or maybe you know, if you had to guess, how many different people did Pat talk to Good or Lord. will talk to uh, by the time it's all said and done? 
prob I, I would say it's getting close to like fifteen or sixteen. Uh, if not I more. I mean the 20. the way to run the show and he's doing a great job down there just going on the fly and I'm just I mean he he definitely has been vocal about appreciating my work, but man, he's doing all the hard work. I'm just pushing buttons behind the the scene. You know, you get me to you send me stuff, I play it, you need audio hire. I got yeah. it, got it covered for you. But man, it is it has been a wild week. It'll be like you have something planned cuz for people that don't know how to work, you know, with both you and Pat, you send me an outline, you go, here's what we're going to go to, here's the times, here's the phone numbers to call these guests, be prepared to do this at this point, and it's very structured. At Radio Row, this is my first time running the board for something like Radio Row, it's like, hey, we may have this guy on it at 2.15 or 2.20, but he may be pushed to, pushed to 2.45 because we have another guy right now. Or yeah. you just grab another guy, I'll be off air, play this, play that, and it's like, wow, there is so much going on right now. But you know what? It's kind of fun being thrown in the fire. It's like, hey, there's no mistakes here. You can't make any mistakes because it is such a big-time deal. And with the Chiefs being in the Super Bowl, you want the best possible show to be produced. So that's what I'm trying my best on, on this end, not not screw anything up because I definitely have my fair share of screw-ups here over the last year or so. Well, talk about working without a net. Uh, Super Bowl Radio Row would be it for everybody involved, Pat, you, and the guests and everything else. Plus, Pat's also doing the the Facebook stuff, putting his interviews up on Facebook on ESPN Wichita ninety two point three. So there's content there. Um, it's an unenviable task. It sounds like it's cool, and Radio Row is cool. I'm quite sure I haven't been, but Pat's been twice now. But some of it ain't easy. And uh, you know, also Jackie didn't mention some people bail. Some people that are supposed to be on don't show up or don't call or whatever and their time is uh their time is wound tight down there too because they're bouncing from one thing to another but between the folks up at 810 and here at ESPN Wichita 92.3 doing everything we can to get you all we can uh from Radio Row so Jack will have a best of coming up at six o'clock and of course Pat will be live down there from two to four with all kinds of really cool guests and audio and try to give you the the feel of the sights and sounds down in Phoenix because Super Bowl week is really unlike any other, especially when you're at Radio Row. So that's what's coming up. A Vince Papali interview with Pat coming up at 125 following my interview with Mark Adams at 1. So this show chock full and certainly more of the same with Pat down on Super Bowl Radio Row. When we come back, we need to tell you about our stories of the week. Mine has to do with the SEC. Story of the week brought to you by Derby Mattress. Make that short drive to 105 South Baltimore, where their everyday prices beat the sale prices of the big box stores. Go see for yourself at Derby Mattress. Story of the week coming up next, 1222. You're listening to The Shane Dennis Show on ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM. What do people with blindness or low vision need to live to the fullest? Just ask them. It's skill development, scientific breakthroughs, knowledge-based jobs, and the same opportunities as everyone else. When you give to Envision, whether it be your time, donations, or your engagement, you make it all possible. That's because at Envision, they don't focus on the disability. They value the ability. They choose not to envision a world without sight, but to envision a world where people who are blind or visually impaired are empowered to reach their full potential. Learn more at EnvisionUS.com. Nobody protects you from mayhem like Allstate. On that heavy shelf you hung yesterday. Turns out, you didn't use enough anchors. Wait, you didn't use any anchors? (laughs) Now you've got an open floor plan. Trendy. 
And if you have the wrong home insurance, you could need a wall of money to fix this. So get home insurance with Allstate and be better protected from mayhem, like me. Based on coverage and limits selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Hey, this is the Fat Jack, and you want to talk about a great start to 2023. It's like I've got Biff's book from Back to the Future, but I don't. I'm just that on fire. Go to FatJackSports.com and win this Super Bowl weekend. You'll get the predicted final score, the top prop bets, and most importantly, you'll make money during this key weekend of the year. FatJackSports.com It's only $99 for football or save a ton of money by getting a preseason package now. Go to FatJackSports.com to win. Hey, KC fans, your team is back in the big game, and that calls for a celebration. And the official red ale of a Kansas City win is Warbeard Irish Red. Pick up a six-pack today and toast the team. It'll go perfectly with your red hat, red shirt, red socks, and red other things. Warbeard is the number one selling locally made craft beer in Kansas. And did I mention it's red? That makes it a perfect match for cheering on the number one team in football. So as you get set for game day, grab some Warbeard Irish Red, the official red ale of fans of Kansas City football. Touchdown! Hi, this is Blake Davis with Davis Liquor Outlet. Did you know about our daily discounts? Tuesdays, you can save 10% on any 750-milliliter liquor. On Wednesdays, you can save 15% on craft and import beers. And Thursdays, save 20% on our wine selection. Plus, seniors and veterans save 10% every day. Don't forget to visit one of our three convenient locations where you can sign up for some of our great monthly raffle items. Or visit us online at davisliquoroutlet.com to find a location nearest you. Davis Liquor Outlet, each store independently owned and operated. Exclude 31st and Meridian. Kansas City is back in the big game. How did they get there? By having a strong work ethic and great attention to detail. Those are the same values of the successful team at Eaton Roofing and Exteriors. Now celebrating their 30th year in business, Eaton Roofing and Exteriors has been the proven winner since 1993. Roofing, siding, windows, and doors, they do that and so much more. Find this winning team at EatonRoofing.com. Friday, Shane Dennis Show, Jack Johnson alongside. It's a couple interviews, second hour. If you want to be a part of the show, text us, 247-0923. Time now for our Derby Mattress Story of the Week. And the one I have just basically cropped, uh, popped up, or at least the announcement did. Over the last 24 hours, um, Jack, honorable mention was Brett Favre suing Pat McAfee. Didn't quite make the cut, although he, I think, was my story of the week when it came out that he was skimming off the top, basically. Um, But, man, Brett Favre went from a tremendous – football player and a tremendously popular football player to uh, at least on the surface kind of seedy guy especially at the end of his tenure with the Jets and the photo to Jen Sturger thing and well that's not my story of the week but it almost was and because of that because of what happened in the SEC Brett Favre is an honorable mention for story of the week the story of the week for me is Oklahoma's, uh, Oklahoma and Texas, 
have now agreed in principle to pay the Big 12 a total of $100 million to join the SEC a year earlier than they originally intended. That'll be 2024. This was announced just last night. The agreement is subject to the final approval from the governing boards of OU and Texas, of course. The price tag is a fee that the league is describing as a foregone distributable revenues. Both schools are expected to be able to partially offset the cost with future revenues. I'll tell you about that here in a second. But Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark said in a statement, quote, As I have consistently stated, the conference would only agree to an early withdrawal if it was in our best interest for Oklahoma and Texas to depart prior to June 2025. By reaching this agreement, we are now able to accelerate our new beginning as a 12-team league and move forward in earnest with our initiatives and future planning. And he went on to thank the presidents of the universities, yada, yada, yada. So in July, the Big 12 will officially add BYU, Central Florida, Cincinnati, and Houston. And it'll be a 14-team league for the upcoming season. Sources told ESPN that both parties were interested in finding a way for the schools to leave early. But when the athletic directors and presidents met last week in Dallas, there was no resolution. This according to a story on ESPN.com as well. Since the summer of 2021, speculation has been out there that the Big 12 co-founders would leave early, but finances had been at the heart of the issues that's had them kind of in neutral. Two sources also told ESPN that instead of multiple games and pick swaps, which were a big part of the initial negotiations, the agreement came down just to money. And a portion of the more than $100 million in exit fees will go to Fox to compensate for the equivalent of seven lost Texas and OU football games. A key part of deal to let the two schools out early was a game flip of non-conference matchups between Michigan and Texas. Texas will now visit Michigan in Ann Arbor in 2024, and Michigan will return that game in Austin in 2027, according to sources. That game had been scheduled to play out the opposite way, and the flip was a key driver in Fox agreeing to the deal. No word on exactly how much money Fox is getting for this. Uh, ESPN, and why that's important is ESPN holds the entire rights to the SEC starting in 2024, which also is the same season USC and UCLA are heading to the Big Ten. And college football playoff expanding to 12 teams. Other than that, not much going on in 2024 in college football. Also, This is kind of a sidebar or a uh, corollary or part two of my story of the week. The SEC said it distributed an average of 
just shy of $50 million to its 14 schools for the fiscal year that ended last August. Greg Sankey is their commissioner. And he said Thursday, the league divided $721.8 million of total revenue among its members to its schools. That included $698.5 million distributed by the league office and $23.3 million retained by schools for travel and other bowl-related expenses. The amounts were from the 2021-2022 fiscal year that ended August 31st. In the previous fiscal year, the SEC handed out even more money, $764 million, or about $54.6 million to each school, up from this past fiscal year's $49.9 million per. The total distribution amount includes revenue generated from television agreements, bowl games, the CFP, the SEC championship game, the SEC men's basketball tournament, and a supplemental surplus distribution. It also does not include the additional $8.1 million in grants from the NCAA and SEC divided among 14 schools. So the next time you get frustrated or confounded at schools or universities jumping ship from its current league to another one, that's why. Not that you needed to be told that, but just a little gentle, friendly reminder that the Big Ten, the Big 12, and the SEC, without looking, uh, are the big dogs when it comes to the league's supplying copious amounts of money to its member schools. To a lesser degree, the Pac-12 and the ACC, but to put a number on it, if you're in the SEC, you're getting around $50 million a year for all the stuff that surrounds mostly football, but a little bit of basketball, and the TV contracts that are ungodly through the roof. So, The main takeaway here is Oklahoma and Texas have agreed in principle to jump ship a year earlier than they originally thought they were going to and join the SEC in 2024. And a bunch of money changes hands between these conferences, their member schools, and TV drives a lot of it, lots and lots of it. And it's, it's obscene, but that's why... You see teams jumping or the schools jumping to the Big Ten when it doesn't seem like it'll fit. And, look, can you blame, and Jack, you can jump in here now, being armed with all that information, can you blame UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston for going to the Big 12 now? Not really. I mean, it's a moneymaker, though the geography is a little bit confusing, especially for a team like UCF. It's a no-brainer, man. I mean, I think it will help them out in basketball, of course. Uh, football gives you more competition, better chances uh, to not be obviously left out in, in 
to dry or left for dead with some of these teams that are going to be. I mean, who knows right now at the Pac-12 with USC and UCLA leaving four or five years, some of those schools are going to be left for dead uh, because they're just yeah. not going to be accepted by some conferences out there that are kind of building super conferences, for lack of a better term. SEC is trying to do that. I think the Big Ten is trying to, but also being a little bit more picky than maybe the Big 12 is. But I have no complaints whatsoever or any criticisms for what UCF, Cincinnati, uh, Houston have done because they know that the Houston, or the Big 12 can be uh, a great fit for those teams. Now, just like with TCU back then, I think I remember back in, I guess it would have been 2011 or 12, people scoffed at TCU going to the Big 12. They were like, yeah. there's no way in hell they're going to be able to hang down there. Not football, not basketball, especially not basketball, because they were in the Mountain West and just weren't baseball good Baseball was about West. the only thing TCU had going for them then. Yeah. Base- baseball kicked ass, but nobody cares monetarily about baseball. But look at TCU football now. Yeah, I mean, it's just I think those teams evaluated what TCU did and blink of an eye. I mean, they're they're a top twenty-five team in basketball. They're still pretty good in baseball, to my knowledge. Yeah, and oh, yeah. by the way, they just were in the college football national championship. So I think yeah. some of those teams have a, a have a blueprint to go off of. But it was the smart move at the time to to leave the American Conference and go, hey, uh, we need to go to more of a Power Five conference and one that can get us more notoriety, more money. That's a big thing in this. And I think they made the right move. Uh, and looking back, I think five, ten years from now, they'll understand that that absolutely was the right move in that time. And that's uh, kind of a, a striking while the iron's hot kind of thing because you don't have to remember all that far back when UCF won their mythical national championship in football. Remember that? And I think Josh Heupel was, was there then. Cincinnati has had its moments not only in football but basketball on the national stage. You, you don't have to squint too hard to see that. And then, of course, Houston kind of on the fringe uh, when it comes to national attention in football most years, but definitely at the forefront in basketball. They're one of the best teams in the country in hoops. So those three teams going to the Big 12, uh, like I said, you don't have to squint to, to see that it makes sense for the Big 12 to go after them, and you certainly don't have to, to even bat an eye, like Jack said, that it was a no-brainer for UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston to jump to the Big 12. And now here comes BYU, which had been – basically an independent at times in its um, athletic career, as it were, uh, Mountain West here and there. But now they get a bunch of money to uh, go to the Big 12 as well. Uh, we'll talk uh, We'll talk to Mark Adams about what he thinks of Houston, UCF, and Cincinnati going to the Big 12 and how it affects uh, the AAC's basketball profile, bringing in six schools to replace those three. Um, but, you know, that's basketball. Uh, we're talking about football here, really, and uh, that kind of puts a bow on my story of the week. Jack, what's yours? I don't have to go much further than where you were looking. I'm going to stick in the state of Oklahoma. You see this high school basketball game that ended 4-2? to two? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Anadarko and Weatherford, I think it was. A Tuesday night high school basketball game between Weatherford and Anadarko. And Oklahoma ended in a score of 4-2 to two, with Weatherford prevailing on a contest that featured only six total points between the two teams. Weatherford sophomore C.J. Nixon accounted for all the team's points, surpassing 1,000 career points in the process. The absurdly low-scoring game was the result of a stall-ball strategy taken into a logical extreme. Thank uh, Four Corners offense, just mm-hmm. passing the ball around. After Weatherford scored the first bucket... Anadarko proceeded to hold the ball until halftime. 
not even attempting to take any shots while continually passing the ball as Weatherford sat back in his own defense. According to the Oklahoman, one Anadarko possession in the third quarter lasted almost seven minutes before Ugh. officials called a foul. Weatherford would ultimately go up 4 to nothing with a basket off a missed layup giving Anadarko a chance to steal a victory. A three-point attempt to end the game was unsuccessful, allowing Weatherford to hold on and win. The result of the game led to renewed calls both in Oklahoma and nationally for a shot clock to be implemented in high school basketball in order to prevent teams from holding onto the ball for an indefinite amount of time without incurring a penalty. Just last month, the Oklahoma Secondary School Activities Association Board of Directors voted against the recommendation to introduce the shot clock for classes 6A and 3A beginning in 2024-2025. Nearly one month of after that vote, the 4-2 match was met with the consternation and further calls for reform. Quote, this is a real final score because one of the teams stalled for four quarters, read a tweet by Brian Keating, the sports director of KOCO-TV in Oklahoma City. What we are, what are we doing here in Oklahoma? We have to play with a shot clock. The players deserve a whole lot better than this. Currently, 40 states across the U.S., including Oklahoma, do not mandate a shot clock to be used. I kind of have a couple of opinions on this. Uh, I played in high school in the Eastern Kansas League. Uh, we had teams like Bishop Miege. We had Blue Valley Northwest. Uh, we had Mill Valley. Uh, it was a very, very competitive conference. And surprise, mm-hmm. surprise, my school, Blue Valley Southwest, finished dead last in the conference because our tallest guy on the team was my good buddy Nathan. Shout out to Nathan. He was 6'3", and he was our center. <laughs> that was some of the better team's shooting guards that I was defending, being at the time you know, 5'10", yeah. 5'11". But never once in my time in high school did a high school coach care that badly about winning a game where he took away the whole aspect of basketball. Right to say, like we played, I'll never forget. We played Bishop Miege when they had um, Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Uh, I want to say they had Mark Mitchell at the time, who's now at Duke. Maybe he was a freshman. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, uh-huh. But the year before that, they had Bull Bull. So yeah. th- I was playing some guys that were NBA prospects. But our coach at the time uh, didn't. Let me, let me stop you right there. What? Give us some of the final scores in those games of those powerhouses oh, playing you guys, like yeah. 30, 40 points? Uh, we lost to Miege, I think, at home 65 to 30. Lost okay, to lost. Blue Valley Northwest on the road. And I was actually supposed to go to Blue Valley Northwest I by, like, proximity region, but I actually went uh-huh. to, to Blue Valley Southwest for baseball. Uh, but that time we lost, I think, 59, maybe 28 well, we're not talking about ninety to seventeen or anything. No, seen like that. Okay, no, n- no blowouts. But I mean, we were severe. I mean, th- we could we could shoot lights out. We'd still lose by twenty. And yeah. we were going to play Bishop Miege, and you know their starting lineup had six three, six four, six six, six eight. They had some kid that had transferred from France who was playing professionally in France and came over, and uh, he was Whoa. about six eight, six nine. And we tried zone. We tried just basically. Our coach was like, hey. Go out there, have fun, and in 20 years you can look back and say, hey, I played some NBA guys, uh-huh. uh, maybe I scored 10 or 15 points in that game. But there was never a strategy, and I think it's great for high school coaches to go, hey, this is about developing 
kids for college if they want to go that far. It's also about kids enjoying the game of basketball and not caring so much about wins and losses. Like, I would look back at high school and go, you know what, that was the only time in my life you get to walk around school and feel like you are a Division One player. Like, hey, everybody knows you're on the basketball team. Everybody goes to your games. They make signs for you. But nobody was going in there going, man, we have to win or we're going to be all over the media and stuff like that. And we're going to be, you know, criticized like you can be in college level at the professional level. But I just think that was the way things went back then. We never played a team that was, you know, looking at it and going, hey, we want to win so badly that we're just going to pass the ball around for yeah, seven we're minutes. Gonna set, set basketball 75 yeah, years. Yeah. Like if to, I was a parent, I'd watch out. If my kid was playing on a team, I'd go, you know what? I'm never coming back to a basketball game if this is how it's going to be played. On the mm-hmm. other hand, I know you're running the risk of maybe losing, but I wouldn't, if I was a coach, I'm not sitting back in a zone for seven minutes. That does nobody any good. I, if that team is holding the ball, maybe you, they clearly were going about that that ideology or they were going with that strategy, that game plan, because they felt they were that inferior to the team they were playing. So mm-hmm. you're telling me you're worried if you were to play man-to-man press man or trap defense that that team is going to find a way to beat you. Like, no. they right. You can force that team to be uncomfortable because letting them stand out there, hell, I could put my five-year-old cousin out there and he could hold the basketball for seven minutes. Like, yeah. you can force turnovers out there, and I'm amazed that the coaches kind of said, you know what, that's the way we're going to play? We're not going to go pressure him. Yeah, that was my first thought. Uh, Weatherford, I think, is the team that was so far superior in this equation, but that's not really important for this conversation. Whatever the team that was supposedly that much better, why did they allow this to happen? Get your ass out there and, like you said, trap these guys. If they're so bad, don't let them hold the ball for seven minutes. If you're that much more superior athletically – then prove it. Do something. Shame on the coach that allowed it to happen, as far as I'm concerned. I, I think it's amazing that we've waited this long to implement a shot clock because when you are prepping high school kids to play at the next level, if they are that good, yeah. guess what? they got to learn how to play with a shot clock. <laughs> they yeah. got to be – and I think also it makes the game better because you're you're quicker into your sets. You're not walking the ball up the floor. You know you have to get a good shot, and it adds a, a competitive element to it, right? If you're a really good defensive team and you're pounding teams and you're pressuring them and they can't get a shot off, well, they're forced to you know fire up a, a 30-footer, whereas sometimes in games that I played, you know, we weren't very good offensively because we were severely undersized, but we were okay defensively. Uh, we If they got the ball in the post, we were completely outsized. But, right. you know, our guards could pressure, and you know what? There were times we would pressure for a minute and a half, and then every time they got double teamed, they could always back it back out and reset yeah. their offense. And guess what? Then the defense is tired. They've been playing yeah. defense for a minute and minute and a half, two minutes. Like I think they they didn't have a shot clock because they're thinking, oh, we don't want to you know rush the kids. It's about learning the game. Well, learning the game is learning how to be effective in a in a thirty second period. You got to go get a good look. You have to shoot the ball before it hits zero. And seeing games like that, it's a disgrace to the sport. And you know what? Shame on the coaches, right? The players are going to do what the coaches tell them to. Sure. I want to know who the coach was that said, hey, let's run four corners and just burn seven minutes. Like, who the hell wants to watch your your players do that? That game did, even if they won, let's say they won four to two, flip it over, and they they did pull off the upset, right? Did the kids gain anything from that game? No. They learned how to hold a basketball and stand there 
first six that, or seven minutes. That one kid got to t- was going to get to tell his kids that he scored every point in a college. Yeah. In a I wouldn't tell him the I'm like, there was one time I scored <laughs> yeah. every I single. I scored point. All, all of our points. Yeah. What are we What are we doing here, though? I mean, I mean I does high know. school wins and losses matter that much? To some coaches, it does. If you're one of those high school coaches that has you know chasing how a about, thousand, or how about 2, this? What if that was a state championship game? Would you been okay with it? No. No, I, I think that you know, for a state championship, it's also about the kids getting there, and it's still about them doing the work, them winning the game. And I know some people out there are going to go, "Hey, it's about wins and losses, right? A win is always going to make you feel better." Yeah. If I would have back in high school, if we would have upset Bishop Miege <laughs> four to two, and we would have walked away with the win, like I wouldn't have felt good about it. I would have been like, "Okay, so we just held the ball and then hit some prayer of a shot more than they did." Yeah. So it just it does kind of it, what I'm also you know curious about is you know they held the ball for so long but if you went down and scored like quickly you had one shot and you know took you 20 seconds to score I would have full court pressed that team that was holding right. the ball for seven minutes right. like why fall back into your zone defense you know because then know, if you can start man. pressuring them you know you score quickly you go all right if we get the ball back even if we do pressure them and they score or break our press guess what we can score on them pretty easily. And that's where I'm just baffled of the other coach. These coaches deserved a, a season suspension for this. I mean, that's just an absolute <laughs> joke that they cared that much about winning a basketball game. And the other guy didn't even force the issue, right? If I was a coach, yeah. I'm going, all right, we're going press Virginia. We're going Shaka Smarts, wreak havoc press, and just hound the hell out of them until and they now- commit mistakes. Guess what? They're 14- and 16-year-olds. They usually don't know how to break presses, especially if this was their style of offense at four corners. So I, I couldn't believe that I saw that final score. Thank goodness we're getting into the era of shot clocks in, in high school basketball because what's the difference when you're 17 years old or you're an 18-year-old and a freshman in college? you got to learn how to play with a shot clock. So yep. this game hopefully is the, the final time we could see something like this. But I'm sure some states are not going to debudge that much. But it really and needs that, to happen sometime soon. And now we're talking about both of those coaches nationally and not in a good way. So hope you're happy, Anadarko and Weatherford. All right, when we come back, we need to talk a little Twitter and then get to our number two with Mark Adams. But first, Twitter, next. You're listening to The Shane Dennis Show on ESPN Wichita. What do people with blindness or low vision need to live to the fullest? Just ask them. It's skill development, scientific breakthroughs, knowledge-based jobs, and the same opportunities as everyone else. When you give to Envision, whether it be your time, donations, or your engagement, you make it all possible. That's because at Envision, they don't focus on the disability. They value the ability. They choose not to envision a world without sight, but to envision a world where people who are blind or visually impaired are empowered to reach their full potential. Learn more at EnvisionUS.com. Refinancing your mortgage is fast and easy when you choose American Financing. Hey guys, it's Peyton Manning. With just a 10-minute call, you can pre-qualify to lower your rate, consolidate high-interest debt, and even access cash. There are no upfront fees to pay, and you could postpone up to two months of mortgage payments. Call 800-700-1687 or apply online at AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS 182334, NMLSConsumerAccess.org. 
Are you considering a remodeling project for your home? While many remodeling companies come and go, more than 20,000 extremely satisfied customers have chosen Southwestern Remodeling over the course of nearly 50 years in business. We believe the reason for our longevity and proven success stems from our processes that consistently drive excellence. From the initial in-home consultation into the design process and through product and finish selection, you are accompanied by one of our project consultants assisting in every step along the way. Once construction begins, your consultant will stay involved in supporting our dedicated field staff of 32 true employee craftsmen through the process of turning your remodeling dream into a reality. If you're ready to experience the difference a truly professional firm with nearly five decades spent perfecting a truly unique process brings to the table, we would love the opportunity to become a part of your remodeling transformation. Give the Southwestern Remodeling Team a call at 263-1239, stop by our showroom at 134 North Elizabeth, or view our project galleries online at southwesternremodeling.com. First, we decide where we want to go. Then we need to know the best way to get there. Hi, my name's Adam Barada. I'm the owner of Advantage Gold. We're the highest rated precious metals firm in the country. We teach people how to own physical gold and silver. Now, we've won the Best of TrustLink Award four years in a row because we educate our clients on how to buy gold and silver the right way. We don't pay celebrity spokespeople millions of dollars. We'd rather pass that value on to you. Call 800-900-8000 and speak with one of our experts. We'll send you a free gold kit along with my latest number one national best-selling book, The Great Devaluation. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Get the best information, the best process, the best service, the best value. Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000. Call 800-900-8000. Welcome back. 12.52. Getting you ready for the weekend. Getting you ready for Super Bowl. And Pat Strothman in the pulse down on the row, as he has been all week. Down in Phoenix. They have a jam-packed show from 2 to 4. And so jam-packed, in fact, that we're going to help him out. We're going to have one of his interviews at 125 with invincible vince papali who celebrated a birthday yesterday former eagle great who had a movie named after him he, that interview will air at about 125 after we talk to mark adams about uh, college basketball that's coming up in hour number two so we'll have mark adams vince papali courtesy of pat strathman and then i'm old jack young and then pat will take over and have interviews of course wall to wall so Stick around for the rest of your Friday for that, for some uh, entertaining sports talk live from the row down in Phoenix. Time now for our Twitter question. Has to do with Valentine's Day at ESPN Wichita. Men, what's your go-to for Valentine's Day gifts? Candy? Flowers? Make her slash take her to dinner? Or lingerie? Jack, what do you think? A Valentine's Day gift for your significant other, what's what's a home run? And uh, other, if you think it's other, and what is it? I, I think the home run is probably a combination 
of flowers and making her take her to dinner. Like, hey, I, I'm not uh-huh. going to complain about lingerie, but I don't know if I could walk into Victoria's Secret and and pick out. I just feel weird. I don't like. I don't like walking or in. Or ask somebody that ask works him, there. Yeah, hey. I'm like, I don't want. I'm yeah. sure that my, I wouldn't be. Obviously, wouldn't be the first one to do it. But like, I think if you had a well thought out date. It could be drinks beforehand, dinner, and you bring her flowers. Like, that's always going to be a home run. If you show any mm-hmm. type of effort into it, assuming your girlfriend, fiance, wife doesn't expect, like, the absolute world, obviously, out-of-budget type of stuff. But typically, from yeah. my experience, is when you show a, a any type of effort into it, and I would say more than enough effort, you know, you bring flowers, you dress nicely, you make the reservation, you get the good table, you buy the bottle of wine to share at dinner— you go out afterwards. Wear a cologne. Wear a cologne. Comb yeah. <laughs> you, you show that <laughs> you, know? you care. Like you go, you go up the door showing like a slop, and then you walk over to a what a Buffalo Wild Wings and say, "Hey, you know, I took you to dinner uh-huh. or some cheap place." Like, come on now, you you can go to that for a Sunday for a football game with your buddies, but you make a nice reservation. Like, yeah, I, I think that that's the right thing to do. But also uh, for those maybe listening that are a little bit younger, maybe high school type. The worst thing you can do is wait till the week of or a few days before Valentine's Day to make a reservation because they're all booked up unless you want to go to dinner at like 9.30. Like I was even and a little bit some, late this for year. For some reason, your girlfriend is going to know if you oh, wait yeah. until the last minute. Like, too. We're going to yeah. get dinner reservations at, at 9.30 at this place and go, oh, so you forgot <laughs> right. to make the reservation. Like You have to go like a month or two out at times. If you really want to go to a high-end place, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it depends on I mean, how much money you're making. I'm not expecting high school you know, that's true. That's couples true. to go to some place it's going to cost you two hundred dollars, and you're not ordering alcohol either. But yeah, I think a home run is always taking a dinner. If you're not, a, if you're a great cook, then okay. But I also think the scenery, uh, girlfriends, fiancés, you know, husbands, wives, they they all they like that. Boyfriends, they they like to yeah. go out there and and uh, be seen in public. You want to be you know kind of show off a little bit that sure, you know, go out for sure. fancy dinner. So that's my home run go to flowers, nice reservation, maybe some drinks before end of the nice place or afterward. But that to me is always proven to be a good one. And Tom on Twitter uh, astutely wrote in perfume this year. So even if they don't like the perfume, it's the thought that counts. Kind of gets back to what Jack's saying. If you try and you care and you show her that you do, even if you don't just nail the gift, you'll uh, you'll still impress her. So Tom says perfume this year, not bad. All right, we're right on top of the hour, the can equip case uh, IH red zone hour. And speaking of sweethearts. And Valentine's Day, starting tomorrow, all you need is love and the lodge at Twin Peaks. Dive into Sweetheart Week with their red-hot lingerie party and steal your heart specials on their favorite festive cocktails running from tomorrow through Valentine's Day. East at 21st and Rock, west at Ridge and Taft, Twin Peaks never settle. Hour number two coming up when we come back. We'll talk to ESPN college basketball analyst, Mark Adams, that is next on the Shane Dennis Show. Wichita's new sports leader, ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM, KKGQ, Newton.